0: The best people possess a feeling for beauty, the courage to take risks, the discipline to tell the truth, and the capacity for sacrifice. Ironically, their virtues make them vulnerable. They are often wounded and sometimes destroyed. Ernest Hemingway. What's going on, guys? This is MDLP. Welcome to the Battle Axe Podcast, episode 14 which we will eventually name, we always get good at this, post-podcast. <laughs> I'm here with my awesome, handsome Baron of the North co-host, Johnny Banks. What is up, everyone? Thank you again
1: for joining us. Awesome to
0: have you here. I think this is, this is getting good in the sense that it's getting regular. We're getting better at this, and I'm breathing less into the mic lately. <laughs> um, it's a great episode today for many reasons. Uh, post Miami's Baddest, which I thought was an incredible podcast. Um we got great great feedback. Um, but today or this weekend is a very special weekend for a lot of us. I used to say me. Um, I used to say it's a special weekend for me, but that has since changed seven years ago. This weekend or specifically tomorrow, the battle axe gym turns seven. Ooh, lucky sevens. Um, I'm more of a lucky thirteen guy, but whatever. Um Yeah. We'll celebrate 13 then. Deal? Oh, Um, and it's a special thing for us, I would say. Um, And there's a lot of feelings involved. And I think we're going to touch base on a lot of different things that not only getting to seven years, but what it took and a lot of the human endeavors and human feelings that get us there. Um, And I'm actually really excited to share this year with you, John. It's been pretty cool. You know, obviously. It's a, there's a difference when somebody shows up to the party and somebody is part of the party, if that right. makes sense. Because we are going to celebrate tonight. Um, obviously, our, our longtime sponsor, Bang Energy, uh, who has not sponsored us yet. Please don't sue us, even though they're being sued on their own. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> it's fueling us.
1: You should sponsor us because.
0: It's peach season.
1: Yeah. And if you've seen us in mirrors recently. Ooh, wow. wow, Yes. What a sight. summer summer Don't believe us just ask us.
0: (laughs) DM us clearly. (laughs) Um, So yeah this is this is something that's been real special to me and it's actually I'm really excited about it. There was a lot of personal reasons not to do today's podcast. I think um, first of all shout out to you doing that cancer walk for your old man. I think that is a beautiful thing. I wanted to say that but not make it too emotional but well done. Uh, There was a cancer walk this morning John that you did. That's right. Um, and it's for those that, you know, shout out to those fighting uh, again, baby Gabby, keep it up, brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and those who have lost that battle, many of us know that personally. And I think just showing face and being a part of that helps. It does.
1: Yeah. No question.
0: Yeah. And, um, and other reasons, you know, it's been a rough week on many aspects for me and, and I will, I'll be real with you guys. I've always been very real. Things suck sometimes. And the, the incessant need to skip out of my responsibilities, as a man and as a friend and as a leader is consistently uh, a battle every day. And I had mentioned that I was going to skip this episode this morning and be like, fuck it. I need sleep. I haven't slept. Thus the bang energy. Um, Mm -hmm. But more importantly, it, it, it realized how important these sessions are for us. Sure. Um, And so I am always genuine with the listeners because fuck man, you're like part of our therapy group. This, whether you guys are listening and know it or not.
1: Yeah, if it wasn't for our solo conversations and then the podcast, we'll probably <laughs> be in a bad place, man. Yeah.
0: And, and and it's true, you know, um, not even to side tangent, but there are consistent positive um, endeavors and responsibilities you anchor into your life sometimes give you that thing to hold on to. Um, I really think about rock climbing all the time, and I believe it's a physical representation of life. Obviously, we all represent sport. I love rock climbing. I'm not good at it. I used to be okay uh, at local gyms when I was a much lighter man. Hmm. But you can see when they're, my my thing I like the most is the guy that sets the path. You see, that fascinates me. There's a guy that goes from the top, rappels down, he inspects the stones, he cleans the stones, and he sets the path that he believes is, you know, whatever difficulty it is. He has to drill the hole, put the clip in, make sure that carabiner and that drill is Perfect because if not, I mean, you can die. Yeah. And I think it's it's fascinating because those anchors are your way up. And I, I swear this show, uh, the gym, friendships, good friendships, positive friendships, ambitious um, and friendships, they're your little anchors, they're your little carabiners yeah. that you know you, you you work to get there and you set your fucking rope and you're like, I'm not falling. If we're fall we fall together then, dude. Mm-hmm. And this show has become that our relationship here has become that to me. And I know that you reflect it, but something I talk about all the time. Yeah, we talk about it after a lot of when we sit here and chat for like an hour at the little Colombian food truck with smack, smash with their own (laughs) bottle, but but yeah, so I wanted to bring that up and I know that that really relates to what we're going to get into today, Um, but I just wanted to start off on a strong foot, man. I didn't want to have to necessarily end like we kind of traditionally do, but I wanted to start off strong. I came out of this motherfucker firing. And that is it. This is it. These are one of these anchors that I've climbed to get to. And man, there is no top for me. It's just a series of climbs and drilling and climb and drilling. I don't know where the mountaintop is. I just know I'm not falling back down Mm -hmm. if I hold on to these.
1: Well, that's very interesting that you say that and you use that uh, analogy because what you gave up in the working class is essentially the top employed, making money, insurance, insurance, uh, comfort to some people is their top, and so you decided to throw all <laughs> that away, <laughs> just jump off, and yeah. so you're in that you're in that position in your life where you have the job, things are kind of going. How long? Before you made the decision, did you have that pull to do something on your own?
0: Well, I mean, I'll take it back to when I was a Muay Thai fighter. I always dreamed of opening up a gym, a Muay Thai gym. I just would never do it as, my, as long as my teacher was teaching out of respect. I didn't want to open a rival gym or a split gym. And I quickly became, you know, as I left the, the fighting community, um, I still wanted to teach. So I had a part of me, but it never occurred to me to become a business so I, it's so weird calling myself an entrepreneur even though i know i have that title it's just it's just too fancy for me but mm. um i you knew i wanted something my mom has been a teacher her whole life in the sense that she teaches people how to decorate cakes and she's done it you know grindingly so before it was cool i guess but my yeah. mom's been an entrepreneur since day one um before cake boss yeah before cake boss yeah. <laughs> she's been doing this since like the freaking 70s but um it was a specific moment when I decided to make it my solo job. I did open it up as a side business, and I had the intent as I was social working.
1: So you were you were working, and then the idea for the warehouse gym was like, all right, that's
0: going to be like a side hustle? It was. So it was like, I'm going to open up a gym, um, but I was too scared to plunge. Mm. It was, I still have my security blanket. I, yeah. I, a lot of people don't know, but... Um, you know, I went to school for, to Penn State University. I graduated with a psychology major and a political science minor. But unfortunately, as cool as that sounds, securing a job with that major is rough. Yeah. And so the, one of the best jobs that I ended up getting uh, with my education was social working, which is, again, nothing to dog on social working. It's just extremely fucking stressful. I worked with senior citizens, and it was it was a tough job. I worked it for three and a half years. I learned a lot. I met a lot of incredible people um but i had that job and it allowed me to work from home from several days and i go this is the opportune time to chase my dream to open a gym which is i started getting as i was a personal trainer i hated listening to people i hated being told what to do by managers they didn't give a shit about the person they just wanted me to make a sale mm. I'm like i'm not a salesman and i started training people on the side like my coach did on the garage gym style as i further got into that i'm like you know what i can do this but i'm going to do it as a as a side business at first, as a passion, but you know, I was I was always arguing. how Passions don't pay bills, and who sure. am, what am I going to tell my mom? I have an education. I'm, it was this consistent conflict, the fear of becoming an entrepreneur, or the fear of taking the plunge. And it's okay. It all of, all people have to go through this argument. It's just only a certain amount of people actually dive off. Mm-hmm. And as I opened up the gym, within the year, I was working two jobs. Um, I had to eat my shit sandwiches. I was social working. I was training, and I worked I worked at my gym. So social working was Monday, Wednesday, Friday at the time, depending how in trouble I was or behind, which is consistent. I would uh, train people only at night. I couldn't I couldn't do it in the morning. I trained sometimes midday. I would work out Sundays, Saturdays by myself. Um, and I had a handful of clients enough to pay rent. But I realized it was not going to grow because my mind was always split. Mm-hmm. And credit to Elliot Hulse, Back then, he sat down with me. He goes, "You know, you know, you 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 cannot, um, you cannot do this half ass. You have to take the plunge. Like, if I was looking down at you as a coach, I would be nodding my, like I would be shaking my head at you." And I was like, "Fuck." Mm. He's like, "You need to do this full time or not at all." He goes, "You know the answer." And I was like, "I knew the fucking answer." Mm-hmm. And it came a lot. Of, <laughs> we went to a an Eastern Europe tour with my rugby mates. And I was having the time of my life. I was in Eastern Europe at the time. I remember, in Bucharest, Romania. I was with my really close rugby mate, who I'm going to see after this show. Oh, Lord help my liver. But, <laughs> um, And I remember waking up, and I read an email. And it was all these emails that I was late. You know, you're late on this. And I was on vacation. I, it was 12 days time of my life. I was a young man. It was 2013. And, and I instantly, I got that stress in my stomach that, That work stress. You know, on Sunday where it's like 9 p.m. You're like, fuck, tomorrow's going to suck. And your Sunday's already ruined by the morning almost. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to quit. I said, I'm done. Just like that. I go, I'm going to quit. It's like when you wake up and you know you're going to break up with somebody. Like, it's over. Mm -hmm. I told my rugby mates. They're like, yeah, man. I'm like, it's over. And that's when I made the decision. And I, I only attribute this because once you get away from your comfort zone of your work you are now in shark infested waters you are no longer on the dinghy <clears throat> having your beers and enjoying your fucking life you don't have nothing i accepted my last paycheck two weeks after coming back they fucked me out of eight vacation hours i left the goddamn files on the manager's uh, doorstep i called all my clients and took care of all the people that i could as far as especially the clientele and that was it That was the last paycheck I ever received in 2013 that I ever received from anyone else. And no one has since then has told me what the fuck to do.
1: Now, let me ask you a question. Since you were on that trip, do you think that that consistently having that feeling of joy and being happy and where you were? Do you think that attributed to you making that decision was like, okay, you're having the time of your life. Bam, you get that gut feeling. And you're like, man. Do you think that's what helped push you over?
0: Absolutely, pain is presence. I've As always said, said that. Yeah, yeah. Um, trademark. Uh, <laughs> next shirt, mine. <laughs> um, pain is presence, man. Yeah, and um, it, it often in in my in many of our minds, I think, sort of masochistic perspective where the pain pushes me forward in what I want. You know, the deadlift pain or the soreness of fighting, and I'm like, this is a reason to go somewhere. Mm. And when I felt that stress, I go, I can't go back. It's almost like a it was a catalyst forward, like, Mike, you're you're I and how old was I? Twenty eight, maybe? I forget. I won't do the math, but sick to my stomach. Yeah. Sick. Like how people wake up on Wednesday and it's hump day and you're depressed as fuck. And I'm like I was like, What the kind of life is this? I'm yeah. having the time of my life. I'm like and it was a push forward. That pain was an incredible presence where I'm not doing this ever again. It was like yeah. a slap in the face, like, okay, the next time I'm ducking. Yep. And that was it, man. It was it was an absolute clarity to just fuck off, man. <laughs> I can I tell you, I get goosebumps talking about. I can remember the fucking we were in a B and B that finally had AC. Because Europe Eastern <laughs> Europe is different. Uh it was cold. We we're about to go out. I was putting on my fucking jeans. I read the email accidentally. I'm like, I'm fucking quitting. Yeah. Yeah, I can even tell you where everyone was standing in the fucking room. One guy was coming out of the shower. Two guys were in the room. One was in on the left-hand room because it was three rooms. And one guy was on the couch on the phone. So I'm fucking quitting. Awesome. That was it. I'll never forget that. And I have a shitty memory sometimes. It's
1: kind of a random question, but you put all your stuff, you make your calls, you put all your stuff to the measurements. What's the first thing you did after you quit?
0: That, and when I left, right there? Yeah, right I there. Went, <laughs> I went out drinking. Yes. <laughs> I went out fucking drinking. <laughs> I went out fucking drinking. I was like, it was funny it was a fearful, like I said, I have a very different perspective. It was a fearful, joyous drink. Like, I don't know, I'm not going to attribute this to fucking jumping, bungee jumping because I'm never going to do it. But it Let's must be that it. feeling like when you're about to step into a fight in the ring, you're nervous. You're scared. I mean, I was. sure, But I'm really excited about it. You know, like I'm excited about this fear that I'm experiencing because it is a liberating fear it isn't like oh i'm scared because i'm gonna get burned by the stove or you're about to get punished it was like i'm scared because something really kick-ass is gonna happen and you yeah. can call it whatever you want anxiety you know no it was fucking scared because i knew that that's it now i have to I face you know i'm, I'm columbian like many of us doesn't matter where you're from it's important to talk to your mom and be like i care about my mom hey i quit yeah like my career basically <laughs> like yeah. my penn state career like I'm gonna tell you know my girlfriend at the time or my girlfriend now, hey I quit. That's yep. it. Like hey man, we're gonna eat ramens and noodles now. Vacation, forget it. Insurance, no. Yep. Doing straw man with no insurance for three years.
1: The <laughs> Wild Wild West right Bro, there. Bro,
0: woo! You want to <laughs> dance with the devil? And you know the way I train and eat back then.
1: Good thing you didn't decide to amputate everything <laughs> like Bro- the old days. <laughs> 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 Just like broke
0: my finger, take it off. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he was like Oh hit bleed him out <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah. Get the leeches <laughs> <laughs> But yeah man It was It was The first thing I did Was fucking go out drinking and Obviously I mean I got drunk at the time And I was Scared but like Really happy Yeah sure yeah. And it wasn't It took me a long while Johnny for me to feel Comfortable I mean that first year Was, was scary man
1: Yeah I want to talk about That first year I yeah. feel like that That is Something that we should know So Alright so you quit, you show up to the acts the first day, now you're a business owner.
0: What's what's going on there? So, for the and, and to reiterate too, 2012, I opened up the gym, May 19th, 2012, two weeks after Cinco de Mayo, um, I opened it up on a max stock credit card, an entire paycheck, and some cash that I had, some petty cash, and I mean by petty, I mean like a couple hundred bucks. A year, almost a year to the day, a year and a half or so, when I quit, um, I showed up to work. And I'm telling you, it is a fire that you cannot explain to anyone else who has not taken that plunge. Mm. It's like when you're talking, I mean, a, a football player telling you about the game. I've never played the game of football. I can understand him, but sometimes there's certain things you just have to know. Right. It is that motivation is insane it is motivation you're motivated yeah the discipline got me there but i am so motivated i learned everything i started taking what reading consistently i felt like a man on fire Mm. like something there was no going back now it is going forward i felt incredible joy and um like a dog being let off the chain. Like you ever see those movies? That horse is just booking it through the fucking meadow. And you're like, he's gonna break something, but he's yeah. so fast. I don't know if I was. I, mean, I was more majestic back then. I was lighter, but <laughs> running wild, man. Yeah, everything made me laugh more, but everything made me more passionate. Like you had. I had finally released those things holding me down. That's why Fenrir is such an important story for me. Yeah, sure. I was free to devour the moon. I am ready, and it. I'm telling you, that passion. Although I'm more quiet now. And I'm, I believe I have become more acute with my passion. I was in like in crazy. And when people talk about MDLP back at, back then, it's like, oh, you were so intense and blah, blah, blah. I was. I had to be. Yeah, oh, sure. See, I had to be. I had to be. That that person that first year set the pace for where we are today. Much different man now, but I'm also surrounded by much different people. Sure. I mean, I was coming home to nothing in the sense of what am I going to do tomorrow for money? Mm-hmm. Who am I going to call? Emails, texts. By that, Instagram had like 15 followers. Everything I got into everything and anything, so I felt incredibly liberated and pulled forward. Man, it was insane. It's like I was swimming up, like with the current. Finally, you know, that's pretty awesome. That was insane. So, let's talk
1: about the first, the first. What do you? um, I guess you would call it your first client to the axe. Talk about the first, the feeling you get. Not when you're, because you already had clients. Listen, forget them. Forget the, f- what about the first person who walked through the door who had just maybe heard of the place, you never met them. What do you feel when they walk through the door?
0: Oh, man. You know, I tell this, I, I don't tell this particular story, but I do, but I, I told somebody once that my memory is often blurry like dreams, but I can remember feelings, not specifics. I may not remember the shirt you wore and what it said, but I remember what it made, made me feel. mm I don't remember, I remember that when I opened up the gym back then, my rent was 600 bucks, and I opened it with six clients, charging 100 a month. Mm. That's all I had. And I said, well, at least I'm in the black, or the green, as they would say. Or no, black is it. Yeah, so the black. Black, right, yeah. Um, and I was like, cool. Those came with me. Mm-hmm. When I finally started getting walk-ins, it was equated to the feeling when you walk into a mom-and-pop restaurant. Yeah. And that mom greets you with a, welcome to my store or welcome to my restaurant. This is how we make everything. Now, double-edged sword. At the time, that battle axe looked nothing. And I mean nothing compared to what it looks like now. I had six mats, one rack, one yoke, one barbell, maybe 345s. 340, one was broken. A couple plates that could not. I had to use every single plate in the entire gym added up to 545. I remember because it was my one rep max back then. Every single plate. So it was like two forty-five, forty-five, <laughs> thirty-five, thirty-five. 45, 35, 35. I hate using 35s. Benny, you know. Um, and I got mixed feelings because some people would walk in. And it was empty. It was empty. It was a fridge and a desk. And we did a lot of body weight stuff back then. I was still trying to figure out how to use the road and not piss off my neighbors. Yeah. So with every client that walked in where I was extremely proud to have them welcome, I also got the same faces where they would walk in and give me that face like, oh, this is it? Yeah. Or you sure you don't want to make this a CrossFit gym? Or are you sure you're doing the right thing? And that's the truth. You know, a lot of these businesses that open up now, they start off with like everything. You know, fucking 10 racks and I'm sorry, man. I don't have mommy and daddy money. I don't have, I didn't have let me go to the bank. I was too, like I don't, I didn't want to take out a fucking loan for 40 grand and open up a garage. And I didn't want to do it that way. I wanted to build it from scratch.
1: Yeah.
0: Self-made, like yeah. from nothing. And so, there were mixed feelings. You know, I would get sure. this joy. I'm like, oh, this person would come in. They're like, this is cool, man. Like you got strong, man. I had one log. I just made my stones. You know, I figured out how the fuck to use cement. I use it in, in, um, in construction, but never to make a stone. Yeah. So I felt extremely proud. Um. Always, though. Even with the bad faces. Yeah. I was like, you just don't fucking know yet. <laughs> it was never like, oh, I guess I don't know what I'm doing, you know?
1: Do you think that those faces and those actions were kind of what built MDLP? I know, you know, I am I do sales. Yeah. And, and in sales, the big uh, sentence you hear till you're blue in the face is, is people buy from people. Mm. And- when you're selling something, typically you have to be either driven, believing it in enough or passionate about, about it enough to sell it to people, or you have to be so special that people will buy from you regardless of what it is. Yes. And so do you think that those were factors in the development of that personality to that MDLP?
0: I'm going to say 100% yes. Yes, because... That, mm, I don't want to call it anger, but it's something akin to where people give you that I feel sorry for you face. Sure. That ignites something with you, almost a rage. A competitive but
1: fire, maybe? Yeah.
0: And I, I I want to attribute it to competitive fire and, and anger. You're not angry at the person. You're angry at how it's making you feel. You know, they can't yeah. help it in yeah, some yeah. senses. You know, you can tell when you're being disrespected, but... No, that's the way they put it right there. It, it absolutely... Um, it absolutely developed. Not only MDLP and I'll say this to the listeners, MDLP is the is that person, is the person from the battle action. Michael de la Pava, and who sits down with you in some small corner laughing quietly and just wants to be left alone with, with one or two buddies, that's a different man and that's okay. Yeah. But MDLP is what put food on my table and it's often hard to, you know, change those masks and chain that beast, but That is what has driven, not only as an athlete, but those feelings absolutely molded not only, you know, the character that is that, but also Michael, because it helped quell things, too. It helped me become very appreciative of those that gave me the right faces. Mm. And those are my friends and my close families that most of them, not all of them, let's be real. Most of the time you get most shit from your close friends and family, to be quite honest. But most of them gave me this face of pride, like, oh, you're doing it. This is yours Yeah you did it Like they'd look at My gym And they'd look at me With like "Whoa, oh, dude This is all yours Yeah You know And I was like Yeah man You yeah. know And I was cheesing Those man, stones Whoa.
1: I made those Yeah
0: And they're like Oh bro you know And I thought it would be <laughs> Like if my boy came in He had one table just making sandwiches I'm like Dog you own this table <laughs> You know like Because I, you know, I know
1: Yeah sure
0: um, So it, it absolutely molded that It molded me in many ways Because that That's called being humbled With a D Mm. Mm-hmm. That one look humbled me into the floor, uh, and that's okay. It's like when your mom gives you that disappointment look, and you're like, "Fuck," you're being humbled, and it's and sometimes it's on purpose, and sometimes it ain't. And that that absolutely fucking it it molded me, and it molds me now. I never I'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. I'm seven years in the business, and I am not one day cockier. In fact, I'm fucking sixty seven thousand times way more humbled. Sure. You would expect the opposite. I'm not, I'm confident. Yeah, I can be a cocky motherfucker, but not with this. I never forget that look and what it made me feel like and that's why I never give it to people. I feel sorry for your face. It's like when people get hurt, I'm like, you're going to be all right. Not, oh bro, maybe you should quit bullshit. I know what that feels like both as an athlete and as a businessman. Now people walk into my gym like, oh great, I'm like, you have no fucking idea. (laughs) Yeah, it's great.
1: Goddamn right.
0: Yeah. Um, so, this is year
1: seven, and <sighs> I've been to—I believe I went to year five, year six. Now I'm going to be at year seven. Correct. Um, did you have? Do you remember year one? That when you got to the year full three sixty five.
0: Yes, I still have pictures same <laughs> on my phone. <laughs> Megan gave me uh, a surprise uh, surprise anniversary. I was not expecting it. I was just going to blow through the year. I was actually going to go quietly and celebrate quietly by myself. Oh, go to dinner. Yeah. have a couple of beers. And uh, I got to the gym and there was signs up. My rugby mate showed up. Wow. Unexpected a bunch of lifters, friends. Oh, I was cheesing so hard. I still have pictures. I'll send them to you after. I might post them, actually. That would be cool. That would be really cool. I didn't think about that. Um, I remember vividly. I mean, I can remember it was part daytime. I can still tell you how I felt. And there was still space to be inside.
1: So what were you, were you going for business to the gym? Or was it like a nighttime thing? It was
0: coming in to train. uh, I think my first client, I used to train, I used to start training around 7 p.m. Because I was coming home from work. I think it was, um, I believe it fell on a Monday, don't quote me. And I was driving up and I just see like a bunch of cars there. And I walk in and I can see the happy birthday banners and she outdid herself and people were there. And I was like, what? And then just people just start showing up. Maybe, maybe 20 people. Yeah, sure. But to me that was magnanimous. It might as well have been a thousand. Even now, you know, like yeah. We have what, forty, sixty people sometimes, and I'm like, there are thousands of people here, you know? I mean that's how I tell it. That's a, yeah, that's how I say it. <laughs> you ever been to a Coliseum? Bigger. You know, lions. <laughs> um and it, it it just felt amazing. It was I'll never forget your one. Uh, you know, obviously the years in between kinda bleed through. Mm-hmm. But you never forget that first year because that was a predecessor to fucking years. Of stuff, But I didn't even think I was going to make it to year one in the sense of that level of success because it was still forward. I didn't get to year one and be like, fuck, we've lost. I had actually become pretty good. And I was like, man, I didn't think that. You know, they tell you, oh, when you open up your first business, no matter what it is, it's like three or four years of, <clears throat> of kind of like, you know, losses and stuff. And on the opposite, I had gained more clients. I had gained more credibility. I was getting better as an athlete. I'm so year one, like,
1: you were out of the black or still in the black?
0: No, it's st- st- like I was still in the black, like, making
1: money. Wow. Like, whoa. Okay, so you are on the to what we call on the sales side, being in the green. The green. That's profitable. Yeah. I was because that fun. is a conversation. I have a lot at work. Right. I deal with a lot of new business, and I say, hey, man, and I use yours, thing. Like, <laughs> you're going to eat a shit sandwich for probably two years. Yep. And then year three, you're going to crack the black. You'll be in the black, and you'll be able to yeah, from bread. be okay. Right. And then three and four, Five. Those are your green years. Yep. And so. You're one. Uh, well, and then I think you could attribute that to how you developed as MDLP.
0: Yeah, you know, maybe. <laughs> I appreciate that. I never, I guess I didn't see it that way then. Um, I often don't look too far back at the personality type that I was, although I am becoming, today I'm obviously extremely nostalgic. I mean, it's seven fucking years. Yeah. Um, and people often think that I just I st- I've been training people for 10 years. So 7 years 7 years of that was is at the Battleaxe gym. Yeah. Um yeah, I would say a certain type of my character was a little bit different. Um and I would like I tell people when they start a business, I was just fucking passionate, man. Yeah. Like I really was or I hope to be is I am very passionate about it. Um, and I've gotten, fortunately enough now, to share my passion with people in that sense. But it had become something special. And back then, i like will tell you now, in a lot of episodes, I was the Battle Axe gym. Mm-hmm. MDOP was the Battle Axe gym. There was nothing. you think Battle Axe, think, you know, Mike. But now it's way different. Yeah. And that's I what I said year one. Yeah. yeah. I said, I don't want to be, I want to blend in.
1: Now, sometimes when I talk about you on Instagram, uh-huh. I have to tell people, like, the Instagram is the same, <laughs> it's the same but dude. I know you think
0: it's two people, but yeah. no, it's... That's the same, same dude, that's yeah. That's the same dude, yeah. Like, thanks, Gym, for allowing me at the Battleaxe <laughs> Yeah. But it, it's, it's been a journey, man, and I would I would absolutely attribute that to, to a personality type. I won't bullshit you. Sure. There's not a lot of people like me, um, good or bad, I mean, whatever the fuck that means, but... And the niche and the career a year one was about me. People came to train with me. Yeah. Year twos and three, maybe. Now it's part of a culture. They train in it. They come to train. It's different. The they come to train with with the in the gym, the clan, yeah. the, the, the presence of people. I cannot be there. And people was tell me, Wow, what a great fucking gym, great people. I'm like, God damn, you have no idea what that means to me. Yeah. Like, even though obviously I leave town nowadays, and a couple of people trickle I would leave back then and it was a ghost town. Like oh Mike's not here. Fuck it. Yeah. Now I have people to, that travel when I can't travel. They travel with their with their lifters to go support them without me. I'm like, man, you have no idea what that feels like, man. It, you know, you're not even tra- like being able to not have to train alone. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. And I tell people that all the time is that when you're when you're building a business, when you're building a relationship, it's the same concept. You are now in a relationship with your goals. You're in a relationship with your passion. There's going to be ups and downs. But when you guys are viewed as a unit, as a team, it's not like, oh, here's Mike and whatever her face is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yo, the battle act showed up. It used yeah. to be, oh, Mike showed up. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm, you know, I own the battle act. So, oh, okay. Anyways, Mike, nice to see you. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Now it's like, wow, well, we saw you guys. Yeah. You know, that's an incredible feeling when now the passion has bled out into a sense where everyone is part of that. And that, man, that takes fucking work, not only just from me, but from everybody. And that is something special. And I I tell that people when they want to ask me about starting a gym or starting a, a business or anything, I'm like, man, you must understand that you must build a culture. There must be a story to tell. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I attribute to the gym is like i can you can walk into that gym and that gym says a little bit about me and every single fucking person that trains there you can you can it says a little bit about you Yeah, sure and that's special that's fucking special that rusty ugly broken oh there's some nice shit in there but some beat up shit there and you're like that says a little bit about you man. man you know and that takes time it takes work and it takes i tell you what it takes verbalizing hey man I fucking love this place. And you better tell people you love this fucking place. Don't bullshit. Don't sit there and be like, yeah, it's okay. Fuck you. No, it's better than okay, dog. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's great. I love my place. Even when I had one plate, Johnny, I'm like, I love my gym. I sat I used to just sit there at the gym, and I don't even know how to use tools, bro. I'm sorry. Guys listening. I'm at the, in that aspect, listen, I can fucking fuck shit up. I can drink. I look manly as fuck. I'm handsome. Create some instruments. Ask me to build some shit. Give me some time. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but there he was. I was baking shit. I know a guy. Yeah, exactly. It's 2019. I know a guy. Come on. Fix your car. Relax, bro. What is this? <laughs> 1912? Huh? You was know, this the year of the war? <laughs>
1: you know, it's funny because uh, I got really into, I guess, improving myself at work. Mm-hmm. And so, work offers this thing where you can jump online, you can do this online training. Um, and one of the ones was maximizing your. Your time, basically. And one of them was like, basically, how valuable is your time? Outsource all your shit. And I'm like, what? And he's like, clean your house? Fuck that. Boom. <laughs> Get a cleaning lady. <laughs> Dude. So guess who was a cleaning lady? Hey, you're me. moving up, dog. <laughs> hey, you're moving up. Bro, and you know what it is, though? I started valuing my time more. Mm. And I'm like, man, a clean house is great, but. I could be working harder. I could be training harder. I could be spending more time with friends, especially uh, two guys right here, right now, that can tell you we've been through a lot of losses. Yeah, man. You appreciate time. Uh, how many times did I spend three hours cleaning a house when I could have visited
0: somebody that was in need? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, It's funny. I remember, it's funny how the generational philosophy changes. Mm-hmm. You know, 50, 60 years ago, it was all about do it yourself. But I would attribute that. It's not that, and I know you agree. It's not that I don't want to do it myself, or I don't, or I can if I didn't, if I had to. But as we become a little bit more existentialist, and we start to, you know, turn out to different ideas, even moments of introspection, you start to search for things a little bit bigger than learning how to fix your car. Not that I, fuck, man, I really don't. But there's moments where, look, man, this podcast was created and is taking time off because we facilitate, we make time for it. Also, because we busted our fucking ass working, so we have a little <laughs> bit of money to be like, I'm, I'm paying for a cleaning or I can yeah. pay for a fucking make. Not that you shouldn't learn these things, but I'll argue against that. When you have a certain personality type or a certain ambitious nature, it's okay to be like, hey, man, can you do this for me so I can do this? Yeah. And that's kind of how, if you want to relate it to anything, it's it's kind of how businesses run. Yeah, You know, I remember year one, I was building things and cleaning things and it's, it. yeah, I was doing that. Every fucking thing in that gym, I took care of, everything. Yeah, I bought everything, I did everything. Year seven, John, I don't even take out the trash anymore because my clan does it for me. I don't right. sweep up because they do it for me. I don't put the things away because they do it for me. Now, am I being a piece of shit and being like, oh, you have to do this? No, I built a culture that loves that place and they do it because they want to Allowing me, gifting me the time to focus on other shit like coaching and traveling and being here with you. That's right. So it's, it's, you see how that, I mean, I go crazy about this shit because you're right. You're valuing your fucking time and you're doing it.
1: And uh, and I think that it also goes back to something that you said too. And when you learn to value your time, you, you have also learned to understand your platform and when you understand your platform better, you understand that it's not just the things that you need to do, but the people that need you,
0: and you're more available. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. God damn it. <laughs> you're talking about know your fucking role. Yeah. Good. You know what? I, John, I'll tell you what. It reminds me of a conversation I have with one of my guys, Vinny. Um, when I when I was a younger man, I always wanted to go into the military. I felt like that's what, you know, that warrior mentality it faded out and as i got back older and i became more friendly with like special forces guys i would have my drinks and get on my fucking feelings and be like i should i should be out there like i hate sitting in that circle and being the one that hasn't been there like i hate that yeah like i it, you know and i would you know i just emotional selfish maybe you could even say thoughtless i'm like oh i should be out there i should be out there I should be out there and then his response was you're doing more for that community here, doing what you do, being MDLP, than you would ever do out there shooting at somebody. Yep. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, fuck. You know, and I came to that realization that he was absolutely right. Absolutely, 100% right. But it took me a long time to sit with that. Because as much as I would it, that's a, go out there and, you know, fight wars and come back and tell war stories like it's some sort of romantic shit, which it's not it's hard and it's fucking lonely and scary. I know my role, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, for all a temper, I probably just die out there. And then what? <laughs> Who am I going to help now? You know, sure. When I can be here providing them with a gym and philosophies, I can't tell you how many, you know, vets in service and out of service and dealing with all sorts of shit have benefited from the battle like shim, just watching a post or wearing a shirt or coming to the gym to let out some steam Uh, Or becoming friendly with us, and I can I can literally think of a lot of them. Some of us, some of them are like brothers to me now, and they told me themselves, they're like, "Dude, this this is home." Yeah, you are home. I'm like, God, (sighs) that's and that's coming from warriors, dude. Talking about straight, fucking killers out there, warriors. Well, Uh, we get
1: we're the last of that generational rub too. Remember, our our heroes are action heroes, and what were those guys? Rambo. Yeah, Commando. Right, I mean, and so you almost look at manhood, I mean, geez um, what were the Clint Eastwood,
0: oh my god <laughs> love that guy, John <laughs> Wayne and shit, yeah, yeah.
1: like they're fucking shit up at the peak of manliness, there was violence, yeah, so if we're not being a part of the violence,
0: we feel less than, right, and so maybe that's where that feeling comes from, absolutely man and it it comes from from that, it was a selfish i'm a I'm being left out of this circle. Because I don't know, I didn't find my role until, man. I mean, I'm I'm thir- turning 35 this year. And I'm still growing. I would love to say that who I will be in five years is, like I'm a shadow compared to who I'll be in five years. Because comparatively, who I was two years ago, that was a boy. And I say it all the time. Who I was at 32 is a boy mm-hmm. compared to the man who's turning 35. And I'll say that proudly and I'll say it as a matter of fact. But I, I found my role, man. And it's like you said. What am I doing Am I gonna go pick up a rifle And be as good as some of these guys No I mean honestly I probably could be But not that great (laughs) Let's be real It's a bullet You know It's like Or I can stay here man And help out And it And it it, To make choices like that When it comes to taking Taking the dive And being different And knowing what you're supposed to do And knowing what you love You have to search We we talked about it In one of the episodes It's not really the climb up It's a dig down Yeah you got to fucking get your hands dirty. You got to eat your shit sandwiches. You got to sit in moments of failure. Johnny, I have failed more in my life than anything else. I fail all the time. I fail friendships. I fail myself. I fail my family. I fail my business. I fail my lifters. Probably more than ever successful. And like I said to you, I'm just really good at losing, man. Yeah. And in that loss and in that muck, I realize this is what I'm good at. This is I'm good at fighting, man. Like I was a good scrapper in the ring, and I'm good at fighting in life, and that's where my presence comes. And it takes fucking courage, and I found my courage in the fucking shitter, and I. That's where I'm at, man. I'm never, I'm just, I'm never gonna be that guy that's gonna be comfortable somewhere, man. Even if, I, even in moments of self destruction, I'm like, oh, too comfortable. Blah, poop on it, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And it, it, just, it's okay, you know. And I found out that being a coach. And just being there for some of these guys and girls that, and to provide a home. Mm. That's a home. The battle like is a home. And I, I was gonna, ugh, I was gonna stay on a speech tonight, but I hate doing speeches nowadays. I don't know if I become more of <laughs> a fucking pussy. or I'm just fucking. <laughs> I have more shit to be emotional about. But I think you just set the bar too high. It's too, it's too high now. Yeah, I just wanna, it's you know what? I'm gonna take it quiet. I'm like, thank you. Pantomime tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend I'm doing a sign language and just fuck it all. <laughs> They're like, what'd you do? Oh, you idiots! Don't speak that. What's <laughs> the one dude know it? I'm like, fuck. Um, it it's a home, man and and that it that provides like the whole farmer mentality or the builder you know and that man, I just came to that realization
1: yeah, I think you have um mentioned this on a previous podcast where you talked about agriculture,
0: yes, and the so farmer
1: here we are again,
0: yeah, laying the seed down and I'm telling you you know it's building these blocks from the earth right beneath you yeah, you sure. know like clay clay buildings. And 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 I'll tell everybody to everybody that's listening um, that courage concept. Uh, every I've seen it so many times. Actually, I don't. I, I've seen it many times, but mostly because I've noticed it because I keep saying it so much. Mm. Like once, when, when you buy a car and you think everybody has your car now, you know yeah. that effect. Or you buy a particular pair of shoes and oh my god, everyone has them. That's why I buy gold shoes. Um, I honestly did not find my courage. Until, again, two years ago, three years ago. I believe I always had a type of courage, but I could never define it for myself. Yeah. You know, courage was always, um, to me, and it is in many ways still, overcoming something. You know, you, you overcome something, it's courage. You have fear and you beat it, it's courage. But there's many types of courage to me. The courage to keep hitting that brick wall, even when you don't see a dent because you think that eventually it's going to crack. That takes courage in a sense. You you have to be a little insane to do what we do. You have to be not only as a lifter, but as a person that decides, hey, I'm going to quit all the comforts of home, the comforts of, go next time you sit in your cubicle or your office. You got a nice AC, you got a desk, you got that nice pencil, that little calendar underneath your fucking keyboard that you draw your little notes Dicks (laughs) 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 Dicks. You do <laughs> 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 I used to I used to draw on it, not dicks, but I was in trouble. And you and you look at it, man. Look at your keyboard, your computer, you have your pictures of home because you know that's what you go home to. You have your little reminders. Man, it's not always like that. Because that's somebody else's property. Yeah. And and to continuously push against that and push forward and, and, and go hard against it, that takes courage, man. Sure and and i would i it's one of those things we talked about before the show it's like and i thought it was really cool that you outlined this and i'm gonna take it it's like what defines courage for me and it's the ability to swim in fear you don't always have to get out of this pool to have courage Mm. you have to just be okay with it that you're gonna be in it you have to be in it courage is the fight It's not the outcome. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. If you think that courage is because you finally got to the destination, that's execution. That's fine. You executed a plan. Fuck yeah, good for you. But courage was what got you your gut and your stomach and put you and wiped down your tears and stitched up your fucking cuts. That moment when you're bleeding through your fucking mouth and you're like, I'm going to keep fucking fighting. That moment in the fire, that's where courage lies. And you have to be scared you have to be you have to understand what fear feels like fear is lost Fear is. there is no there is no next step without stepping on nails man it is fucking there that's why i love sports that's why i love strongman so fucking much because you don't know where that next rep is gonna take you mm-hmm. it is fucking freaky or in mean, powerlifting that squat you don't know if you're coming back up and you think you have spotters yeah good luck it's not always like that yeah sure and courage is there, man. Courage is, is in that fight. It is the ability to keep breathing there. It's like breathing on the water, man. How do you know if you never tried? Yeah. I mean, let's not take this literally, but right? Yeah. When have that's you so. gone <gasps> inside that water? You're like, no, I'll draw. And I go, Well, I mean, that's what happens when you're you're in fear. Yeah. Am I gonna dive off this cliff? That's what it feels like. Am I gonna grow wings? Am I gonna finally define that gravity doesn't exist? That's what it feels like. Yeah. You're that 0. .0000 whatever 1% that goes, well. Maybe look, you get to be I, Kid I, I, Wow, stop. I know. Try to close the
1: sun. <laughs> Smash Brothers. That, that would be me, though. Yep. Yeah. Let's just see if I can touch it. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> so year one closes out. We'll say year two, year three kind of blend. Tell me the moment where you thought, all right, we got something here. This could work. Because I don't really feel like year one, there's no way. Year yeah. one, you're still dealing with all your anxieties and stuff. I would say that somewhere in that gray area is where you finally took that breath, that that finish of that first fight, because that's what it starts, you know, that's your first couple rounds. Yep. And you went.
0: <sighs> this is something. This is something. Right. Mm, that's yeah. a good question. I would attribute it to a, two moments. Two, one, a personal moment, and one, I guess, f- fina- I don't know want to call it financial moment, but certainly a visual moment. Year five, I remember having year five, uh, our anniversary in that day, It was one of the biggest turnouts I had ever seen. And I believe that year, I had asked people to wear Strongest Fuck shirts, And for the first time in my life, at least for those five years, despite people having worn them consistently, I felt 100% like a boss. Like I looked around me and I was, I just didn't even, I barely, I mean, I drank, but I just sat there and watched things go like a blurry dance. I'm like, these people are wearing my shirt proudly. And people were coming up to me. It was that particular anniversary i never forget. And it was so good to watch people just enjoying and laughing. And, you know, having that been, I think that was our, after we were just on Miami's Baddest, this would be year two. It was incredible. I mean, I fucking loved it. It was, and it was a rough fucking year, man, 2017. A terrible year for me on a personal level. I was not in a good place. And despite that, people had come together to keep going forward for the Battle Axe Gym and in many cases for me. Mm. People showed up, you know, 2018 was whatever. We're in 2019, 2017, year five of the gym. I'll never forget that. That's when I felt like I have something. I have something special that I need to protect because it's protecting me. It it Everyone is wanting me to keep going how the fuck can I give up now? And I knew it. I get goosebumps talking about it. I was like one of the hardest years of my life, and I wanted to give up. Everything, everything smelled like shit. Some months, it was just a shit month, shit year. And look, everyone showed up with smiles on their faces, cheering me, congrat, genuinely wanting me to succeed. Not with that face, like. Oh, so I feel sorry for you, or I'm just your friend because you're MDLP. Like genuinely looking at me, like damn, like five years. You know, five is quintessentially an important number for human beings. Five is a big number, like seven and three. I'm like, and people were saying, we, we, we want to thank you. I was like, M- me, yeah. You know, you you understand. Sometimes it's hard to. T- it's still hard for me to take compliments. I'm like, oh.
1: Unless they're about our looks, we're always good with that.
0: Well, that's different. But those are f- matter of facts. Oh, yeah. If you're <laughs> just saying facts, then I mean, who am I
1: to disagree? Uh, but year five was... <laughs> Do you think that pulled you out of the trenches? Oh,
0: fucking you have no idea. It 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 is quintessentially, aside from you know personal family, it is the reason I kept going. It is 100% the reason why I didn't give up on anything, on life. And I mean that literally on... Or training? Why didn't stop doing my bird dogs? Everybody's like, "Well, Mike, well, you're so disciplined." I go, "Yeah, but I was motivated by what was around me that we had built." You see? Then I I was gonna say tonight, there's a difference between family that is born and family that is forged. And I had made that, like I had made that with nothing, man, like nothing. And like now it was like we were making it. Mm. You cannot, you can't put that feeling into words, although I've tried many, many times. And I knew at that moment, that was five years in, man, like when I said, I'm never going to quit. And then fast forward to 2018, and this was a moment that I thought was fucking stupid emotional, stupid feelings. Besides that year, I was getting ready for Florida's Strongest Man, and being backed by my girlfriend and the idea and they all did it behind my back which fuckers. They made the back as fuck shirts. Mm. And I fucking, I had no, I, for the first time, <laughs> I had nothing to say. And if some of you guys don't know and that are listening after suffering a major spine injury and being out of competition for two years, this would be my first competition back. And who else would know how hard I struggled than those people around me? Yeah. And that, and you guys too, BV family, well, it's funny. Um, so we all knew that that was happening.
1: Coming, yeah, And, uh, and uh, I love keeping secrets. Bro, there's like 90 people. <laughs> <laughs> about this shit. I, I'm good at <laughs> fucking finding out. Well, we put it. So we have our chat. And that's how we all communicate. And we dropped it in the chat. That, for those of you that don't know, that competition was for you What four hour drive. Yep. Four hour drive. And for a lot of our guys, four hours, four and a half. And uh, when we announced that you were going to compete to our guys. The resounding amount of people that said, I will be there was eye opening to the, to the impact of, uh, what I had already known. Okay. We met, we met a little bit before 2017, I believe, but we made our real connection in 2017 Mm. at, at that, uh, five year. Yeah. And it was, uh, just a conversation. And we both kinda gave each other the same compliment in different words. Hey man, you you really tell a story, man, you know? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. got
0: something you got something to tell me. Yeah. yeah.
1: And and you had kind of said the same thing back, like, man, you know, John, people need to know your story. And we're like, Yeah, you know, cheers, cheers. Yeah. And then kept it moving. But yeah, so come coming back to that, uh, I think now people close to you. Reverberate is that a word? Reverberate. Absolutely, it is. Um, A resonate, resonate you. So when we announced that, you know, and they people saw how passionate I was about being there, and changing things, and canceling plans, and I, I can't make this. I need to be at this event. If I do anything this year,
0: (laughs) I'm doing this.
1: I'm gonna be there for this because I have to be there for this. And I think when people see, you know, obviously me, your cousin a bunch of guys who train there, and, you know, and everyone was like, well, there's no chance we're missing that. Yeah, oh, Man. It turned, I mean, even even my girl, you know what I'm saying, who doesn't train like us, when she heard about that, she's like, that's his first comeback? Like, we have to go. Yeah. She's like, oh, I, do you want me to book the hotel? And I'm like, facts. Yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. But yeah, that moment. So the back is fuck tees were hugely, I mean, those was are huge yeah
0: and wearing it was like you know and I, t- I tell you what yeah walking I, can't hear, when, I wish I could show people how I'm walking right now. When you that. see that as someone like myself that somebody's wearing something you made with pride, it is beautiful. And I mean that in the word exactly how it rose off your tongue when you're watching, something in nature or a painting that you are just like, wow, this is made for me. It is absolutely 100% beautiful because all that fucking shit that you've had to deal with is blurred out by one tiny little smile that you see in somebody's eyes when they put your shirt on and they hold it with pride. You're like, fuck, this is so worth it. All the nights I didn't sleep and the vacations I didn't take and the fights I had to fight and the money that I lost and the time and the body parts that are broken forever and ever and ever. And those nights where you just don't know how you're going to pay rent and you're counting pennies and you're putting your quarters into that little machine in Publix that counts your money and gives you a ticket. If you've never been that low, you don't know what that is. 1746, please. 1746, and they take like 3%. Man, that that is fucking beautiful, man. When I saw those shirts, when I that saw that that would happen, and people were so prideful, to, so proud. I I was like, I think you guys are more proud, you know? Like, oh
1: yeah,
0: yeah. I was hu- like humbled. There was nothing left. Was that the biggest turnout ever to see you compete? I, I've never felt that in my life, huh. never. Let me ask I've you a question. I've been competing <laughs> this. I've like nineteen competitions. Here's a good com- uh, conversation. Well. Question.
1: Strong as fuck, T. Year one. What does it mean?
0: I want to stand out.
1: Strong as fuck. Year seven. What does it mean?
0: Culture. Legacy. <laughs> Love it. Good question. Gosh, you good night, Dark cognate. <laughs> Year one, I meant to just be different. The challenge. No one was making shirts with bad words back then. I had to. Each shirt cost me twenty six ninety five to make. I gave them all away. It cost me hundred and eighty dollars, which I thought was gonna kill me. Now, it's a legacy. It's a culture. It's like it. The shirt. It's a silly statement, but the pride of what you wear that shirt with it. It might as well say the Constitution or a fucking Bible <laughs> verse. Like people wear that. Like this is fucking. That's legacy in one fucking shirt statement that people told me would like they like bro you know your shirts are people won't wear that a year. Not gonna from wear now. that, dude. Like well, I can't wear it anywhere. I'm like, okay, and now yeah, it is in one simple thing. It's crazy, man. You can't. I'm mean, like typically I'm I'm not a speechless guy. I'm comfortable articulating my feelings, but when you're at that bottom of humbleness, you're like the opposite of a sad person that's broken, you're broken with happiness. Like mm-hmm. you're like uh, uh, you don't know what to say and that is moments in my life that I've had very rare moments like that where I'm unbelievably uh, unbelievably appreciative. And that's why I'm so so protective of what we've built. I am like I will die for that. And and I will absolutely that's how I've chased that dream. It's funny. I just talked making a joke about that Joe Rogan podcast where he said you got to chase it like your life depends on it. Yeah, I know, motherfucker. Not that I disagree. I agree. I fucking, I do this job and I have and I will and I always will. Yeah. Like my life depends on it. Because actually, it has. Because I knew that if I didn't have the battle axe gym in 2017, I don't know where I'd be. I know that my life depends on this gym. I don't think it. I don't act it. I know it. It's not a metaphor. It's not a motivational meme to me. My life fucking depends on that gym, on that, on those people, on us, on that culture that I've built. Yeah, dog, I'm different. I am a crazy person. <laughs> I will fight tooth and nail to preserve that culture, whether we're training in a fucking two-by-two two box where I have the fucking biggest gym that's all gold-plated, the culture will never fucking die. And I've been saying little things throughout the week. Some fires never die, family that's forged, things like that, because I feel it. I sat with my dad. My dad's adorable, dog. I love my parents. I wrote something really cool for his birthday. And he looks at me and goes, Mijo, how do you write these things? Like, what? First of all, he used to write excellent. He used to write these incredible love stories to my mom, uh, beautiful, when they were, he was in New York and she was in Columbia. So I go, you know, but he's like, no, but how do you write like this? And I looked at my mother, I looked at my dad, I go, because I live it. Mm. I'm just telling my story, and I'm telling you how I feel about it. I'm just lucky enough that, lucky, that I've lived a life worth telling, and I hope to live at least a little longer. Not too much more. Let's not get crazy. 51, here we come. Exactly. <laughs> 51. And and I'll tell you what, man. That, and it's funny because somebody, my friend Armando, who recently opened up a jiu gym, and he took, he's taking the plunge too. He tagged me on that. I don't, it's not that I don't listen to Joe Rogan. It's just that it's so many episodes I get lost. Yeah, sure. But he said it. He's like, you have to do it like like your life depends on it. I go, but no. The, the only thing is that it does. My life does depend on it. Mm. And I don't mean that financially.
1: You could also say, if you didn't want to do that, route, you could also say there is no life without it.
0: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I'll tell you right now. <clears throat> if I close the Battle Ox gym tomorrow. <laughs> Done. I can tell you a 100% that it's going to affect people beyond what we can say right here at this table. Sure. I it can't let that happen. I actually just
1: got a little moment of it. <laughs>
0: And I, and That's it's weird. I started I started training Muay Thai again once a week obviously. I'm not the man I used to be, but and they, I haven't trained with my coach in 8 years. I swore that I wouldn't train with anyone else. Never. I've had the chance to join a million gyms and I can throw leather and, and I refused because they're just, that part of my life was dead. It was gone now it's over. And that feeling I got when I threw those mitts on again to see him training me and sitting with my two Eric and Mikey and sitting and throwing mitts with those two guys. It's inexplicable in the sense that that feeling is the same feeling I get when one of you guys wears my shirt and you look at me like I got my shirt. Yeah. I was a child. I I could have I could have ran 10 miles. I could have touched the ceiling. I was on fire like the guy that opened the gym on the first day. I was there and I'm like I can I was just looking at myself in the mirror and not I didn't see I didn't see, you know, all the strong I saw bear. That's what they used to call me, fighting bear was there again it was that little tiny spark in my eyeball that i can just see i'm like ah, he's still there and i thought that was lost forever mm. and i equated it to people i said if the battle axe gym closes for 8 years mm. where will you be and the faces people gave me i was like that's why it can't happen that's why my Don't life depends you. on it i would i would i said it i said i'll never no i'm not saying nobody should never train at any other gym again but a piece of you dies mm-hmm. forever And I said it in the last episode. I feel that a piece of me is in all my lifters. Well, so is that gym. It's like those little cinder blocks. It's each and every single person as far as it's a, you know, metaphorical, like, concept. That building, I don't know if we move it, it doesn't matter. The building itself, but I mean, the concept of the Battle Axe Gym. If the door's closed, I mean, I personally, I don't know what I'd do. No. But that's a, that's why my life depends on it, and I know for sure that there's more than a handful of people that would say the same thing. Like a hundred percent would say it, almost with the same amount of passion. I tell you right now that to say my life depends on this fucking gym,
1: yeah.
0: And that's that's the kind of thing that I wanted to build. Would you would you agree that the
1: Improvement or the the path of people's lives also depend heavily on how the axes run in the culture.
0: Wow, that's a fucking good question. <laughs> Damn it, good question. I would say a hundred percent. And I only tell you this because I have seen it firsthand. Give me for example. For example, there's some lifters there that. And, and there's no names. They know who they are. They start with not even a strong personality. Very weak-minded. They give up on things. Bad relationships at work, at home. But as they progress in that culture and they're finally cheered on, they belong to something. Not everybody's got a family that's awesome, dude. <laughs> not everybody has people that love them. Yeah, And that's what I mean by being in a family that's forged. You are not part of somebody that actually gives a shit because you fucking earned it. Being there for somebody who's going to be there for you, who's a a shoulder to lean on when you're crying is somebody who wants to load a plate for you because they actually care that you don't have to get that plate for them. Mm -hmm. I don't take that for granted ever, John. When somebody loads a plate for me because they see me unloading a plate, in their eyes you can see that they want to do it. They're not doing it because they have to do it. Right. And that improvement in their life, that they belong to these people, that this is their friends, that they laugh together, that they've cried together, that is a, it is beyond, like that concept is sometimes beyond us because, you know, we've been here for so many years. Mm -hmm. But that improvement, that person now belongs to the gym. They are now a pillar of that gym and they won't let anyone else fuck that up. They are the ones taking out the trash, coming on time. Putting things back, putting people in their place. Hey, don't do that. Don't say that. Staying till 10, 15 as the last person because they don't want to see their buddy stay there alone. Yeah. Now that's culture. It's a self-living machine. I don't even have to tell people sometimes anymore. I mean, I lay down the law because that's my job. And of course, that's what Papa Bear does. But that gym itself. I wasn't there this morning and I am extremely comfortable. Yeah. Didn't even bat it. I don't even lose sleep. Before? Fuck. And I would say that the improvement in their lives absolutely reflects what that That beam, that energy source that comes off that fucking gym in those people. Mm-hmm. When it started with two or three or fucking, we're at right, what, 40, 50 or something now. <laughs> it's crazy. Insane. You talked about
1: courage now. Mm-hmm. You talked about that swim, that fight. Has your opinion of courage changed? In terms of where it was when you first opened the axe. Wow.
0: Man. Jesus, John. Um, You're welcome. Has my opinion on courage changed since I opened up the axe? Yeah. Because we know where you
1: stand now on it because you've been through so many fights. If if we were to ask
0: MDLP year one, hey man, what's courage to you? What do you think you would have said? Year one would have been just overcoming hardships. It's it because that's all that was in just front of you, just fighting. Courage is, back then was just always being courageous, and I know that's a lame an- answer, but that's what I would have said, sure, you know, not showing weakness, not giving up, uh, always being strong, <laughs> not being a pussy. That's simple, and I hate to dog myself seven years ago, I really do, I wasn't that bad, I swear. Um, but that was my year one answer, year seven. And how how seven years later I view courage, it's okay to lose. Yeah. It's okay to give up sometimes. It's okay to it's okay to cry it out, dude. It's okay to to say, hey man, I need your help. That's also a man, also a twenty seven year old young man boy, to what I would like to consider myself a thirty four year old man slash adult child. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody <laughs> better touch my toys. Yeah, my toys. Um, but a hundred percent, I think that I would say that the whole perspective of courage is changing. That being swimming in that vulnerability and being okay with it and exposing it is more motivating than the man who's un, untouched. Yeah, you know the the guys that are stitching up their wounds and are scarred up, missing an eye, and they're still going forward, rather than the fucking guy that's got no ding in his armor and he's always <laughs> fucking winning. And I'm like, fuck that guy. That's always a, fuck that guy. But you showing that guy there that it's like. You know, he's lost a lot, he's also won, he's had championships, but he's also like broken here and there, and he's just trudging forward like an old wolf, just mm. pushing forward, scarred up. I'm like, that's courage. That guy doesn't give up and he's already lost a lot. Can I sidebar that for a second? Absolutely. Love All sidebars.
1: Right. So sidebar. Uh very often you will find um the f- the female gender often say, Where's my knight in shining armor? Right. And I used to always say You're looking at the wrong guy. That guy hasn't been through anything. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Look for the guy in the ding-dub, shitty armor who understands what it's like to be down. And he will be the one who puts you in the right place. Right.
0: Pick you up. Right. So I used to always fucking hate and you, that. You know, it's funny, I've seen that in a fucking meme now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like oh, before you saw it. I should've wrote that shit. Yes. And <laughs> it it's true, man. And I and I view that. All also. memes are is just our conversations. Basically, everyone just watches our lives and takes our fucking takes our fucking <laughs> ideas. <laughs> but I, it it's true. It's true, Johnny. And I and I view that And how I view anyone, actually. Both uh male, female, friends, uh family, yeah. lifters. It's not that it's not that because you know, there's some people that are still very young in this world as far as age and also experience. It's not that I can't be your friend. Just understand that my perspective of you is I'm waiting for you to take that those those tries. Show me that you want to get some fucking ding in your armor. Yeah. That's almost enough as enough to get the ball the ball going or ball rolling. But yeah, you're right. The guy that's all fucked up. Or has been through some shit. And I always I always like to say, be careful of an old man and a young man's sport. Because there's a reason why that guy's still in it. Mm-hmm. You can tell he's been through some shit. And that's always been a perspective of me of how I hold my friends. Most of my friends are either scumbags, <laughs> ex-criminals, or been through some fucking shit. And you know why? I don't feel like such a piece of shit around them. I yeah. feel at home with people who have been banged up. Who yeah. have failed who have lost who have lied who have cheated but more importantly who kept going after that yeah. there's a fucking difference they realize that that's not the way to go and they keep going and they guess what they fuck up again and they keep pushing forward and they keep pushing forward and that the fuck that's what courage is mm-hmm. that moment you want to talk about courage man yeah most of my friends are fucking courageous because they get up every fucking day with a reason to stop living Every day they give up. Every fucking day they get up and they're like, fuck, man, I just want to go to sleep for another 20 years. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I don't sleep in, sleep in. How about sleep in forever? How about not be a nice guy? today? How about just go to that person and break his fucking face open? Yeah. But I'm going to sit here and I'm going to work and I'm going to get my shit and I'm going to make my bread and I'm going to stick in this fucking mud shit trench because that's what warriors do. And I'm going to put the armor on. And I'm going to put the fucking dents on my back. And I'm going to ruin my shit for two reasons. Because that is what courage is. And so somebody else doesn't have to fuck up like me. And that's giving a piece of your soul to somebody. That's what I mean when I say a little bit of me is in all my lifters. And it, it's because it's true. Because they've seen something in me. They're like, yes, I want that. Because Mike told me that's not what you should do. Uh-huh. Because he's been through that shit and I and I say it all the time and I, and I again I, I guarantee you in another seven years maybe my perspective will get more defined but I feel that it's on the right path and I know it's an everyday thing it's an everyday fucking struggle and realization that that's all we got is the fight <laughs>
1: that's right um, courage obviously is a big uh, a very big topic today my favorite and then In terms of competing, now we know that the old you would have thought that courage would have been to train through injury or compete injured. Yep. And now, talk about the courage, because you recently had to go through it, to pull out of an event. What is the difference between being courageous and pulling out of a competition and being scared
0: and pulling out? Good question. Um, being scared and being courageous. Being scared of a competition and putting out out of fear is because you haven't exhausted all your po- all your momentum forward. You haven't gotten to the point and you know it. It's a, It's almost a fact. You haven't even pushed yourself to the limit and you're giving up already. You're scared. You're not even at the competition and you're telling yourself you're going to lose. You're not even at training and you're telling yourself, I'm not gonna hit that deadlift. You're five weeks out, and you're telling yourself, "I think I'm too tired. I think I'm. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't want to eat this way. Like I'm tired. I'm just gonna sleep in." You're starting to lay the path of fear, and the fear in a bad way. You're scared. You pull out because you're not prepared. Because of your bad fucking decisions. Because of your inability to keep going forward your inability to stay on the way. Now you're scared. You're pulling out out of fear. You know why? Because you're scared of being embarrassed and you're more scared of proving yourself right that you're a fucking pussy because you know if you show up to that competition, you know your true colors are going to show not only to everyone around you, but to yourself. Now you have to wake up in the morning look at yourself in the fucking mirror and be like, you're a fucking pussy. So what do you do? You pull out so you don't embarrass yourself to yourself. That's pulling out because you're scared. The courage that it takes to pull out because it's the right decision It's because you have exhausted every aspect of your body and your mind, and your soul and your, and things around you and say, fuck, I can't give anymore. I can't, I can't eat any better. I can't sleep anymore. My body can't recover anymore. I'm doing the right fucking things, man. I'm doing the right shit. I can't go anymore. The next step is called stupidity. Cause there's a thin line between being stupid and being courageous, and just like they say, if you're gonna be dumb, you gotta be tough. And right? ain't no fucking <laughs> tough niggas no more. I'm fucking telling you, it's a dying breed, right? Yeah. I used to say to me, uh Randy from Idol Maker well, 'Well, you're dumb as shit, but at least you, you know, you're fucking, you're tough.' Because <laughs> I used to do everything. Yeah. There is the difference. You when you pull out for those reasons, I, I pulled out recently. Look, one week back was tweaked, second week tore my oblique. The week after that, I tore my bicep belly. The week after that, I twe- I tweaked my hamstring. And the week after that, I tore the big part of my muscle belly. I was doing everything right, man. I was sleeping. I was doing, I was listening to my programming. I was warming up. I had exhausted myself. I had reached out to my cabinet of people that I trust. Hey, man, this is happening to me. I sat down in a mode of an introspection. I wasn't scared of going out there and embarrass myself. I'm too seasoned. But I tried my best, and I exhausted. I'm like, you know what? The more courageous thing is to tell somebody and be like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready because my body's breaking down. I wasn't it wasn't fear. I wasn't like, oh man, I'm kind of training. I was four weeks left, and I was every week was dealing with an injury. One week I couldn't deadlift, one week I couldn't press, one week no stones. No. I didn't take the stupid step like I used to, because I had a blurry line between being stupid and 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 being courageous, and I'm like no no no. It's always it's always courage. It's always not being a pussy. And I and I just had to pull out that kind. It took bro. It took everything to look at everybody and be like, it was the right decision. Yeah. But yeah, I will tell you what, I know when people are lying to me when they say that. There are certain lines you can say, like when somebody says I love you. When somebody says I hate you. There are certain terminologies in this world that you can't lie with your eyes about. I don't give a fuck unless you're an ice cold killer, which is like 1% of this world. (laughs) When you say certain things, you can't lie with your eyes. You can't because you can feel it through your soul. Like it's emanating like this fucking poison gas leaking out of your goddamn face. You say, I wasn't ready. Or, I'm ready. You know when a motherfucker looks at you and goes, yo, I'm ready. It, it, you almost want to drop your shit like I will walk through hell with this motherfucker like he's saying it because he fucking means it Yeah. there's certain terminologies in this fucking world that you can't lie anymore about and I knew it and I knew when I told you when I told my lifters when I wrote the article about it hmm. I knew it in my soul I'm like I'm doing the right thing I wasn't ready
1: when you decided to consult that group do you think that You've learned to step back and do that consultation because of your work in mindfulness or your seasoning
0: as a coach? I would say absolutely both. But it would say, from my um, also as my failures as an, a- as an athlete. Mm. I would say, because of mindfulness, because of my successes as a coach, as well as some of my mistakes, and more importantly, as my failures as an athlete. To know that not speaking out, not leaning on people, is the path of a child. The term, I use the term often, lone wolf, and I love that concept. Uh, It's really cool, I guess. It makes a cool hat. It's my favorite hat. But to be a lone wolf means you have had to live your life long enough to actually be alone. And the only way you know what it feels like to be alone is to have been a part of something. Yeah. You have had to have leaned on people. You have had to have trusted people and loved people and be a part of a group. The decision to go forward and be courageous is a lonely one. The decision to stay the way is a lonely decision. To be the best athlete you can be is a life of loneliness. To be a real motherfucker, as everyone likes to use, is a lonely path. The path of leadership, John, is lonely. When you are at the top, it's only because you have leaned on everyone. You have stood on the shoulder of giants, and as I like to say, I have also tied their fucking shoes. I started from the bottom. It doesn't mean that I'm always a lone wolf. It just means that when I make my decision, I stand alone. Because my execution is resolute and it comes from a place of courage and trust and love and passion on people that I lean on. But guess what? When I go home, I'm alone when I go to bed with my thoughts. When I hurt my back because I'm an asshole, it was just me because of my decision. When I got back into sport, I believed it myself. But that decision was made alone and you stand alone in these resolute actions. It doesn't mean necessarily that I don't believe I'm a part of a group. But remember, the way of courage and the way of determination many times is lonely. And guess what? That's okay. It is fucking okay. Because you know, just because you took a little deviation from the path where you're walking alone for a year, it doesn't mean you're not able to come back into a normal life. Yeah, It it doesn't mean you walked away alone all the time. It's just sometimes you do. And that's where that concept comes from of, yeah, I understand that I leaned on people and I did my stuff. I always do. But at the end of the day, the decision is mine and mine alone. And that's what leaders have to feel like when you fire somebody. (sighs) I don't give a fuck who you are. That shit sucks because you go home and you're like, Fuck, I fired that guy, even if they deserve it. Yeah. When I kick somebody out from the gym or when I fucking when I kick when I yell at somebody, I'm like, you motherfucker, you're a piece of fucking shit. Get your shit together because they're disrespecting something. You think I go home and I laugh myself to sleep? You yeah. think when you break a lifter's heart with the truth that I, I go to I just brush it off my fucking shoulder, I'm like, I'm really cool. I have a big dick. I broke that person's heart. That doesn't feel like that at all. Not when you're really in love with something. And you pack that on your sled. And it's on my sled. Because life is that sled drag. Yeah. I'm like, and I used to, you know, heavy lies the crown concept. Heavy is the fucking sled that I drag. That's my perspective. And guess what? I'm good with it. (sighs) God. (laughs) This thing gets so heavy. It's so fucking (sighs) heavy, man.
1: But. I can chew the air. (laughs) Oh. um, So. Q and A. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm not crying. You're crying, idiot. Yeah, Somebody's cutting onions in the other room. Stupid. I swear to fucking god, doing a cooking show. I Super think. passionate today. Um, I think we we had one good question. I thought. Yeah. Right?
1: And unfortunately, I didn't. I didn't screen save or screenshot it. So well, you kind of re- you paraphrase it, right? I'm gonna paraphrase okay. it. Okay. Fair enough. It was from uh, Nikki. Nice, Nikki Gaines from the Battle Axe. <laughs> All time favorite press of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and this is kind of paraphrase. Sorry, I we kind of got rushed in here. So how have your lifters shown you how far the axe and I'll combine the clan itself come? How far has it shown you that you've progressed?
0: You know, I I would say if, if this was simply a business of tangible gains, I would say the amount of lifters. Um, Obviously, it's not that. That's easy. That's an easy one. Yep. The way they believe in each other. It's not, it's no longer them only looking towards me. Yeah. You know, I obviously, when I lift, you know, everyone stops to look or somebody that's more of a senior lifter. But the way they look at each other, especially for the most part, it's with this sense of urgency that they succeed. Their cheers are genuine. Yeah. They're, like I said, they're plate loading is is genuine. Yeah. They care. They when listen, when you travel 5 hours in 1 day to go load plates for 7 hours and then drive back home because it's a sense of responsibility to your lifter, to your friend and your your fellow clanmate, when I see that, I see how far we've come. Mm. Because it took years of getting people in and out and please train. Hey, don't do that. Don't say that. Do this, do that. Years of consistently looking like a motherfucker. Like, Mike, you're so mean, you're so mean. I go, you have no idea the responsibility of being the bad guy so that everyone can excel in the future because of this. And when I see it happening now on a genuine, it's their own thing, Mm -hmm. how far I fucking come. When Saturdays was me by myself and a shitty baby 400-pound yoke carry to where Saturdays we don't even know what to do with ourselves – and we have a gym meeting where I can see people's eyes water when they see my passion. Where people are looking at me like, and then they look at each other like they give a fuck and they cheer each other on. I'm talking about like, at their, you can see pictures. They're yelling with actual, genuine <laughs> joy, bro. Again,
1: see Nikki's press. Yeah, right. <laughs> everyone, everyone. I got total Rambo face in the background.
0: And that,
1: my friend, is insane. And I, I think, uh, kudos to you and the clan. Um, because it's more impressive because it's done within sports that are selfish. Very selfish. Extremely. You're there to train and make yourself a better athlete when you've developed a culture like you have and then becomes, well, yes, I'm getting better, but how do I make sure that the man or woman to my left or right gets better? Well, I load plates. You know, it's a light day for me. Let me. Let me help you load the plates. Let me help you... Get yes. the bars out, you know.
0: Yeah. It. it okay. And I've said this before. <laughs> and I, hate, I hate saying the same shit all the time, but it's the same thing. You know why I say the same thing often? It's just like loading plates every time. Mm-hmm. There are no such thing as little things. The reason why I say this consistently, like I said it before in one of my old episodes, my friend George told me that. You can say the little things and then you say, there are no little things, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I say that often because there are little pockets in every episode that I say all the time because I mean it. Yeah. When you put things back in the same place, it shows that you care. When you tell a lifter, good lift, man, it shows that you for one second out of your whole fucking existence, for two seconds, you took time out of your fucking day, just like two seconds, to tell somebody that you thought about some- only them for two seconds. I mean, I got your back. I'll spot you. That for five minutes out of your fucking day, you thought about what they were going to do and you wait for that lifter to go and you spot them. It resonates into life. You take those lessons into life around you. You hold the door for somebody, not because you want to thank you. Don't get me wrong. I'm the kind of guy I might be like, yo, you're welcome. I get it. <laughs> but you do it because that's their responsibility. There are no little things. Someone in that store will see you do that and they'll go home and go, Maybe that's the right thing to do. And that's how that culture's been built. When I everyone's like, oh Mike, you know, it's like it's really alpha in there. I go, first of all, the term alpha is so bastardized now, it's disgusting. But second of all, everything has its place and its order, and I'm a fucking drill sergeant about it because the the ripple effect yeah. is massive. If you don't put that down a certain way, the next guy's gonna do that. And the next guy, and the next person, and the next girl. I go, what kind of culture does that lead? What kind of paths are these people talking and walking? And everyone's like, oh, Mike, this and that. I go, well, what are we saying now? Mm. What are you saying now, seven years later? You can walk into my gym right now. Every I can fucking bet you right now that every fucking plate in my fucking gym is perfect. Yeah, And I wasn't even there because people give a fuck.
1: It's funny that you mentioned the alpha thing because <laughs> it just literally made me think about it. Now it's alpha like alone. But Uh, if you look into pack mentality, alpha is the leader, the one who puts everything together and makes sure that we're all together
0: as one. (laughs) And now I'm like, wow, that's really stupid. (laughs) You know, like, again, if I were to ask you 2012 what you thought alpha was, me. And now what do you think alpha
1: is? Leadership. It is. It's 100% because I'm around great leaders all the time.
0: And I and I'll answer my question, saying twenty twelve. I will say Alpha is, you know, aggressive, top dog. Yeah, yeah. If you were to ask me now, <laughs> which was me in twenty twelve, <laughs> fucking psychopath. If you were to ask me now what Alpha is, it means yeah. to serve. Huh. I am. I was talking to to Megan about this that I was going to say it in the speech tonight, but again, I don't even know if I'm gonna do the goddamn speech. They asked of warriors. Do a, does a warrior or should a warrior should, they should never kneel or bend the knee and I said a real warrior is the the cobblestone floor you are the thing the base the foundation holding up everything I don't bow to anybody because I'm already the floor I am the base I am the servant I am the last I am first one to eat is a terminology I made sure that everyone has to eat too mm-hmm and I, you tell me 2012, I'd be like, yeah, man, aggressive, fuck this shit out, blah, 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 blah. Now it's like, what do we need to go forward? Uh-huh. And I will get it done by any means necessary. And that is a lone decision. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, everyone's like, everyone's like, oh, everybody wants to be a beast. Okay. First of all, you know that this is hard. You're not a beast because you showed up. Yep. You're not even a beast because you said you're a beast. Eddie Hall aside. Yeah, you well, do, because can obviously. We yeah, we can do whatever we want. <laughs> and, and if you're going to take those perspectives together, that's what Alpha means to me. That's what leadership means to me, to serve. And that's why when I go to these anniversary parties, you'll see me f- just walk around a lot. I'm not in one spot alone because I love to see and to serve. I can look in upon my pack from the back. Yeah. And I'm looking. I'm making sure. You know, they there's that meme of the the wolf pack, and there's the alpha on the back. that's yeah, making sure everything's okay. The old and, and sick in the front, and that's a, it's a, such a true. I mean, uh, wolves are my favorite animal. Ultimately, um, but one of many that I I like. But um, <laughs> wolf boy, bear can yeah. combine yeah. them, <laughs> and uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's important to to realize these things. Yeah, sure. That your terminologies over time, they age. With you, your passions age with you, your determination, your, your, your identity, hopefully, should age with you. Mm. And the terms courage and things like that are ultimately consistently changing in my mind, but have become more solidified as I became a leader and as I've witnessed it in others. Sure. Because how I see courage and things within myself is obviously biased. And then many times I bastardize it because it's mine. You know, I identified (laughs) in mine. But when I see it in others, that's how a lot of my, besides having moments of introspection and identifying how I feel about things, I'm telling you right now that I'm I'm gazing upon these things. Mm. And I'm looking at it happen amongst others. And it's fucking fascinating. And if you ask, people ask me all the time, they're like, Mike, how, how do you know that? I go because I've seen it mm-hmm. in others, and it inspires me. Like I see courage in others, and I'm like, oh, I better get my shit together, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm gonna say bye to the live feed. Thank you, guys. Thank you. We go, we go now. <laughs> but it, it's it's incredible when I when I I see it upon upon everybody, and I'm telling you right now. <clears throat> I've always prided myself on being able to observe things in others. But when I see things that I love reflected upon me because I it's bouncing back off that person, it is ultimately incredible. The love of strong men. Mm. <laughs> I fucking love strong men, man. When I see that in somebody, genuine yeah. and it I'm like like, it's reflecting because I would like to say that a piece of that was because I, I introduced it to somebody. Yeah. And it reflects back, and I'm like, <gasps> yeah, you know, it's a, it, it wasn't that you were, like, when I, it's not like it's your somebody's son where it's, oh, that's your genetics, bro. No <laughs> shit he's going to laugh like you or have your same fucking nose. Yeah. But when that person laughs a certain way, after a deadlift, you're like, I, I'm a part of that. Or yeah. when somebody drops a deadlift bar, similar to me, I'm like. I'm like, first of all, don't drop my (laughs) (laughs) telephone. Second of all, I'm like, this is why I do what I do. Yeah, sure. And if you're asking me why we're in it seven years later and why I feel in my heart we'll be here for another seven when we celebrate 13 and then 14, it's because of those things like that. Intangibles. Yeah. Not the equipment, not the space, although that's always nice. But it's those things that are just utterly incredible to me. And I believe it's to us, you and me um, specifically, no but us in general as a culture. My my time,
1: although it's it's rare just because of distance and having to oversee the north. <laughs> <laughs> the baron of the north. Um, every time I'm there, I change as a person and grow as a person. I, l- I love the work of the sport a little bit more because I get to work with and for the people around me. And it, it grows me as a person. And so when I train at the Axe on a Saturday or whatever day it might be that I can make it and I get to work on a Monday, I'm a better co-worker. I'm a better boyfriend. Wow. I'm a better friend, a better brother because of what, again, resonates throughout the Axe. It's a uh, it's an experience in itself just to be there as a spectator and then to be brought into a community with a group like that. It's life changing. And it's when I'm, <laughs> when I'm old and almost dead at 50, <laughs> when we are at our But I'm going to be so fucking jacked. Yeah. I'm going to on so many, I'm going to be on steroids, so many drugs, Viagra, everything. My whole body's going to be hard. I'm going to do lines of size. <laughs> <laughs> My whole body I had to tell it's a rock. And then I'm gonna die at fifty one. C- cost an erection. But I, I will I will take that with me forever. I can't
0: ugh, I can't tell you right now. <laughs> it uh first of all, that's fucking beautiful. It, okay, what I'm feeling right now is exactly what I'm talking about. Like what what you guys are hearing and what you guys are probably visualizing, that little okay. feeling in your stomach you just felt. Okay. If you multiply that by 10, it may begin to feel what I feel. And I'm not saying that your feelings are anywhere beneath mine. It is just because seven years ago, some young guy started with a dream with nothing. Nothing.
1: Nothing. Take what you think of nothing and then then subtract. And then subtract that
0: (laughs) financially, physically, all those things it's nothing and to see even a shirt being worn on a on a monday on a 5 p.m bench press that says strong as fuck and it says the battle axe gym established 2012 in the back where strength is everything just seeing that is enough to keep me going and like you said it is enough to tame the beast. And allow me to smile a little bit more. And to treat my mom a little bit nicer. And to go home and pet my dog a little bit longer. Dogs. To make a conversation with the stranger and not be such a piece of shit. And give them two minutes because those two minutes might save their life. Because it's coming from a genuine feeling because I am now consistently feeling genuine happiness. Every fucking Day when I used to feel it sometimes because my personality type loves to escape from that feeling. It it ducks, it ducks and dodges, it doesn't want that peace. And now I'm forced to live in it and I cannot be more appreciative. And you see it every day. When you go to that gym, especially during its height, I mean obviously there's nobody there, but when it's there on Saturday, it's inexplicable. The battle like shim is like nothing I've ever seen before. I've had people who have traveled many fucking places in this fucking world. Yep. And they tell me the same thing. There is nothing like the Battle Like Shim. I started that term culture because that's what I felt we had become. Not because it's cool on a shirt. Not because it makes a good podcast or an Instagram video. Mm. Because I felt that what was in that was a culture. Something living and breathing and self-existing. It, it was something alive in that gym sometimes where I'm like, I can't believe this is fucking real, bro. Pinch me. When I see that machine working, plates loading, sweeping, yelling, chalk, brushing, uh, benches being wiped down, yokes being carried, double mats, as a person that saw that gym as an on that empty platform that was on that rainy day on that YouTube video that I made in 2012, If you're asking me, man, why I keep going in life, because I know where that started. I saw it, man. I see it every day. (laughs) You can't escape. I walk into that gym sometimes when I need to remind myself to be humbled. I think about where I came from. And that shit is ridiculous to me. I just can't, I can't explain it harder enough than that, man. I thought it was, I thought it, sometimes I thought it would never, it would never excel like that.
1: I would think that, like, if you followed that on a map, that path you've taken, it would be like ten steps up, a big ass roll down, yeah, <laughs> fucking squiggly line down and shit. Yeah.
0: Like, looked like one of those cartoon treasure maps. Yeah, and something just funny. Somebody had, uh, asked me recently, um, like, why am I successful? And I said, Well, first of all, thank you. Uh, that's a pretty big compliment to call myself successful. Um. I would say that I'm successful in life, literally life, and in business because I am now something that is, I am a part of something that is bigger than myself. I have made this comment many times in my life. Often during Instagram chats and sometimes, you know, talking to a friend, when you live for something that is outside of yourself, that is bigger than you, your decisions resonate through time. Now they resonate through other people's souls. It resonates to their bones, your words, your facial expressions, your body language. What you do as a man or a woman is no longer just yours. You will never live alone in that sense. Your presence is felt. It is also missed. Your words, they they can either... Stab like daggers, or they can build like bricks. Everything you do now is part of something bigger than you, and that makes you want to not give up. It scares the living fucking shit out of me every day that there are people who, in some way or another, lives depend on the success of the Battle Ox Gym and the fact that I show up every day to get that shit done. It's not just a moneymaker to me. It is a way of life. It is the way. Every fucking day, I can't give up. If that makes somebody wake up a little bit earlier and a little bit faster because they can't give up either, then I've done my fucking job. You can't put that into words, that feeling, although I try. I swear I fucking try. But that's also called purpose. A man without purpose is a shadow. I'm not a fucking shadow. I want to be the sun. I want that responsibility. I told myself I want that. It is called the burden of leadership. It ages you like a motherfucker. You go home tired and emotional Every fucking night of your life, anyone who is a leader understands this. When you live for something bigger than yourself and you have purpose, you are on the step of your fucking destiny. You are there knocking on the door. You're not waiting for it anymore. You're welcoming it. You are in control of welcoming it. That is the most beautiful and most purposeful thing in this world. I'll tell you right now, the battle axe gym is my destiny. And when I say it, those listening that know, feed it in their fucking bones because guess what? It's part of your destiny too. This is MDLP signing up from the battle Axe podcast and celebrating our seventh fucking year of life telling you never stray from the way and don't be a fucking pussy because honestly everything ends.